I've met my biggest fans a number of times and found surprisingly that they never turn out to be all that big. Still, I guess I could stop saying that to them, just as I've resisted confiding that they might not be so enthusiastic if they really knew me, because who knows, they might. I'm not a bad person. If I weren't privy to all my private thoughts and inactions, I might be my biggest fan too. You can't afford to alienate your audience. My wife was a fan at one time, although come to think of it, she never did say biggest. There's no sure way to lose one than to marry one. That's when the shit hits the fan. Or to ignore someone who really wants to put a face to the voice. The one time years ago when I met Garrison Keillor after a show and told him all about my fledgling radio career broadcasting from a greasy spoon, and he asked me where the men's room was, sealed that for me. As a result, today, even if I have to go, I say, that's really something. It's great to have fans, especially when you're this needy. You must be okay, after all, if you have fans, although Hitler certainly had his, and Rush Limbaugh has a lot more than I ever will. Having fans is humbling. When you first have fans, it can be a little weird because of all the attention you're suddenly getting and how imperceptively better it makes you feel about yourself. Everybody deserves fans. Why should the woman who single-handedly drives the green recycling truck and flings the bags up on top not have fans? She does, and me. You know the one I mean, the blonde who plays country music. But she'd have many more if she were syndicated. Most jobs don't elicit or require a fan base, of course. In my business, you don't have fans, you don't have work. People had better like me. A lot. The loyal ones will even stick with you your whole working life until you outgrow your demographic and become statistically unimportant together. When you first have fans, it's easy to confuse them, and they you, with real people and even see them as being the ideal relationship, people who love you and go away. Maybe Howard Stern sees the women he fondles on air off, and maybe not. I'd like to think not. In public broadcasting, it's a moot point anyway, unless you're attracted to middle-aged men who still live with their mothers, and or mothers who still have their middle-aged sons living with them. Norman Bates fits the public radio profile, and would have found much in all things considered to consider. The rest, at least judging from those who can ambulate to our show, seem to be electrical engineers, hydrogeologists, graduate students in any number of disciplines, the straight dairy farmer, state office and university workers, rural mail carriers, lawyers, some of who claim to be working in the public interest, 10-year-olds, insurance adjusters, and people who have something to do with the computer, either on the trash in or trash outside. Oh, and ministers, almost always in streetwear, who, parishioners report, Use my copyrighted material in sermons without attribution, unlike, say, the Lord God, who always gets credited. Fans know they can unmake you. Maybe they tire of the relationship they don't see going anywhere. Guys must grow weary of hearing Michael Feldman this, Michael Feldman that. I remember somebody calling in during my radio stint at Dolly's Fine Foods who said, You're really screwed up and unprofessional. Don't ever change. Early on, I decided I would be the Tammy Wynette of public radio, and go out of my way to let my fans know that they had made me what I am today, even though they might have done a better job had they worked a little harder at it. After a show, I continue to sign autographs long after the crowd has gone. I know that somewhere out there, maybe not now, but soon, a kid will show up who's a little faster, and a touch more freely associative, and who speaks more to the present time. But darn it, Nora, I'm not ready to give it up just yet.